Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 13. Maeve was going to blame them. Noel knew this deep in his heart of hearts. Irregardless of what they said, no matter how much logic was used, the Queen would make out that he and Trug had failed her miserably. No court of appeals, no trial in front of impartial peers. They had messed up, costing her the bull she so desperately sought. And now they would have to work three times as hard to redeem themselves in her eyes. All you have to do is get a stupid animal back here before anybody noticed, Maeve said, pacing the floor of the hovel. Noel resisted the urge to roll his eyes. He looked over at True. The tall man was standing at attention, staring straight ahead with a blank expression on his face. Not that this was a facial arrangement based on anything Maeve had just said to them. Most of the time, if Trug was not using his brain to concentrate on whatever was being hit at that moment, he went to his default mode of blankness. Noel figured it must have been a nice way to go through life. My lady, Noel began, instantly regretting speaking. Maeve whirled on the spot and looked at him. She stared so intensely that Noel felt like something was boring into his forehead. Listen to me, you upstart half-man, the Queen said. Noel took umbrage at the remark but kept quiet. You two morons had a perfect chance to get the bull and you mucked it up, chickened out like a pair of... of... Maeve paused, snapping her fingers while she thought up the word. Chickens? Lauren suggested. Chickens, Maeve said, pointing at the crone to indicate her appreciation. You literally got ran out of a field by the very animal you had to steal. Why did I bother bringing either of you back from the dead? You can't even do one simple thing right. Ah, now, to be fair, Noel said. It was the crone that brought us back. Lauren tutted and started to walk towards the rear of the hovel. Not a smart move, she said. Maeve walked over to a shelf, picked up a long curved knife from amongst an assortment of mouse entrails and bug parts, then slowly strolled over to Noel. She brought the knife up under his chin, the tip gently pressed against his skin. Don't make any assumptions about your current usefulness the Queen said in a low voice that sent chills down Noel's spine. You are only alive because I required you to be. Now you're after ruining my plans. It sort of means you're no longer as useful to me. We can all fight the champion at the same time, Trug said suddenly. Maeve and Noel both looked sideways at the tall man. Trug continued to stare straight ahead. What? Maeve asked. You had to follow the rules of combat last time, Trug said. Send one guy to fight the kid every day. That was what had been agreed. The kid had the advantage, even without the magical stick of kill everything, because you had to follow the agreement. But the ginger fellow didn't put that same condition in place. So I think, as long as only one of us is attacking that Cahill guy at the same time, it'll count as single combat. We can take him on together, wear him down. All in one sitting. One guy takes a swipe, then moves to the back of the line, and the lad behind him takes a swipe. No rest in between for Cahal. 
sometimes life surprises you. It could be something as simple as a double rainbow, or a cat that was wearing boots. Or as amazing as one of the slowest minds in Ireland, coming up with a loophole of brilliance. Noel really wished that Maeve would lower the knife, so that he could smile at what True had just said. It made him rethink the entire staring into space thing. Maybe the reality was that True just took great care when thinking about things, and nobody ever gave him long enough to finish his train of thought. Which meant it was entirely possible that, if left alone for long enough, True could be the greatest mind around. Albeit one that thought very, very slowly. That could work, Lauren said as she came back to the centre of the hovel, carrying a bag in her hand that seemed to be dripping blood on the floorboards. You would be following the rules. Just tweaked ever so slightly. From what I hear, the fairy detective is known for his wordplay. Only right that he fails by not paying attention to what he said himself. I mean, we both shook on the agreement when he was here earlier. That magically seals the deal, ensuring something bad would happen to the side that doesn't stick to the agreement. The half-breed never said the men had to engage one by one, only that it was single combat. Maeve smiled. So we just have to send in both these idiots to kill him? She asked. She brought the knife down and walked back over to the chair by the window. But I still want to find more men, just in case this descendant of the demon child has a few tricks as well. The more men that go in, the better chance we win this. Nall reached up and checked that he was not bleeding. He looked at True. The tall man was still staring into space. But now he had a big grin on his face. The sound of a car pulling up outside caught Cahill's attention. He pulled back the yellowed from age neck curtain of his bedroom window and looked out to see a taxi stopping beside the front door of the house. Down below the passenger door opened and Drew the Druid jumped out. He ran around to the back door on the driver's side and opened it. Reaching inside, the Druid started to pull something large from the back seat. When it was halfway out, the other rear door opened and a young, attractive woman stepped out and walked around to help Drew. Cahill had seen that walk often enough to know without seeing a face that it was Alice. Alice, in his front garden, with Drew, at his house. All while Cahill was the most sober he had been since discovering alcohol. There was so much possibility here that Cahill was not entirely sure what to do. He smoothed back his hair with two swift hand movements, straightened his jumper a bit, then turned from the window and left the bedroom, nearly ripping the bedroom door from its hinges with his excitement. The stairs were taken two at a time, the final step being completely jumped over. Cahill landed on the old stained carpet of the hall with a smile on his face. He walked over to the front door and opened it wide, just as Drew and Alice approached. Between them, they held Shelley, a very unconscious Shelley. What happened to her? Cahill asked, offering to take the arm that Alice held. Drew had the face of a man who'd been caught stealing sweets. Nothing? For the love of all that's holy, don't mention it to Filthy Henry, or he will kill me. Just give us a hand to get her into the living room. He's not here, is he? They carried Shelley's limp form down the hall and into the living room, bringing her over and carefully laying her down on the sofa. Alice followed, holding in her hand a metal hurley stick. She placed it on the small coffee table in front of the fireplace, taking great care to never actually touch the table itself. For the first time ever, 
Cahill wished he had gotten around to redecorating the place. In fact, even the phrase redecorate was doing the house a great disservice. He should have just decorated the rooms as soon as the house had passed into his ownership. How was a man with property meant to impress the woman of his dreams if he didn't bother to put up some new wallpaper every few years? I'm just in the middle of a big overhaul of the place, Cahill mumbled at Alice. She blinked once and shook her head. I'm sorry? Ah, oh, nothing. Just saying I'm in the middle of a remodel. Doesn't always look like this. Alice pursed her lips together and looked at a large section of scorched carpet beside the fireplace. She said nothing, smiled weakly, and then returned her attention to Shelley. Cahill cursed himself for not being better at the whole, talking to women you were attracted to thing, and turned his attention to Shelley himself. So what happened? Seriously? Did you get hit by a car or something? Why is she out for the count? Oh, look, it was nothing all right, Drew said, running over to the kitchen and turning on the cold tap. Just don't tell Filthy Henry. Seriously, where is he anyway? I don't know, Cahill said. We came back from a walk, after meeting Team Maeve, and he muttered something about going to clear his head. But that was hours ago. The Druid held a towel the cleanest that Cahill owned by sheer virtue of the lack of stains on it, under the flowing water. You met Maeve? Cahill nodded. Yeah, she's living with that crone McGarry a few fields over. She has a guy the size of a mountain with her as well. I'm not sure Filthy Henry has thought this whole thing true. Seriously though, is Shelley all right? The druid rang the towel out, then ran back over to the sofa and placed the wet towel carefully over Shelley's forehead. She's going to be all right, he said to Cahill. Alice here knows exactly what happened. Isn't that right? You said you'd pay me 50 euro first, she said. I mean, carrying her into the taxi and back out again is fine. But I ain't lying to someone just because you did something you shouldn't have. I just started my shift and everything. Although Namrab isn't entirely sure what you did to begin with. There was the loud bang and then she just sort of collapsed. Who collapsed now? Cahill and Alice turned to look at Filthy Henry as he walked into the room from the hallway. He took off his trench coat and went to throw it on the sofa, until his gaze fell upon Shelley. The coat fell to the floor as the fairy detective ran over, shoulder drew out of the way and knelt down near Shelley's head. What the hell happened? he said. Drew started to take slow steps backward. She's going to be fine, he said to Filthy Henry. We've got it all sorted. See that nice cold towel on her head? Like in the movies. That'll fix her right up. Next best thing to giving her a cup of tea. Cahill was not entirely sure how Filthy Henry managed to move so fast. It seemed that in the blink of an eye he went from kneeling by the sofa to standing in front of Drew, with a firm grip on the druid's hoodie. What happened? the fairy detective snarled. Listen, calm down, okay? Drew said, gently patting Filthy Henry's clenched fists. All that happened is a little accident in the pub when we were out getting lunch. Nothing major. Just ask young Alice here. Filthy Henry pushed the druid away so hard it caused Drew to trip over his feet and crash to the ground. Alice, the fairy detective said. Who in Tagta's name is Alice? Explain to me why we just can't kill Cahill one more time. Because from where I'm sitting, that seems to be the most obvious way to get around all this crap, Maeve said. Lauren wiggled her fingers over the wooden spoon in the cauldron. Without any assistance from her, the spoon began to twirl around inside the bubbling contents on its own. 
I warned you this would happen, the crone said. You had a very small window in which you could have stolen the bull before fate intervened. But you sent those morons to do the job. Morons that failed a simple task, which any two-bit red man could have achieved. What this now means is that the board has been set. All the players are aware of each other. The pieces are in play. You're now completely bound by the rules. Although the tall idiot did have a good idea. With that single line of men thing. That shouldn't cause any real problems. The Queen slammed her hand down on the table. Bloody rules. You still haven't given me a proper understanding of what they are. It would take too long to get into every single one of the rules. Or even explain their origins, Lauren said. Simply put, the forces of magic will make sure that anything you do which involves harming the champion before your agreed upon battle will result in him being completely protected and you suffering a fate worse than death. His emissary declared the challenge. We just have to see it all plays out now. When Maeve had first met the crone, it had been the night before the warrior child showed up with his magical weapon. The queen had decided to take a stroll through the forest alone or as alone as a person of royalty could be when her personal bodyguard was five men strong. She needed time to think about how she was going to join the bulls together and control the world. Whether or not her loving husband would be kept around had been another entertaining thought to play with. Lauren had appeared out of thin air, directly in front of Maeve, and with a single gesture of her hand froze the bodyguards in place. She had made her proposal to the Queen, one which anybody would have been mad to turn down then revealed a few little facts about the fairy world. None of which had mentioned any overarching rules that the fairy folk had to abide by. Hang on, Maeve said, thinking about that first meeting. You have to follow these rules because you're a fairy. Surely they don't apply to me, since I'm human. The crone tapped the side of the cauldron with her foot. It caused the spoon to change course. You're in this magical world now as much as any fairy creature, she said. The second we made our pact, you fell under the governance of the rules. Believe me, whatever it is that makes sure the rules are followed, will take no issue with dealing out the same justice to a human. The ginger one, filthy Henry, he seemed to know you, or at least about you. What was this curse he spoke of? Why did he call you the outcast? Lauren's eyes darkened as she looked down and stared into the flames beneath the cauldron. Fairy folk can use the veil to hide the magical world from human sight. It's the most basic of magic, available to all races. However, the punishment for revealing the fairy world to humans is to be prevented from using the veil. I did something that others of my race did not fully agree with. My punishment was to be cast out, cut off from the veil and also made to look like a deformed human, hence appearing as a haggard witch to you and other humans. So your payment for helping, the Queen said, would be to hide once again? The crone looked up at Maeve. No. I want you to make me look as I'd once did, while making every other scoid suffer as I have for centuries. Revenge was a dish Maeve could fully get behind. She nodded in agreement. The door to the hovel opened and Nall stepped inside, followed quickly by Trug. They both gave a curt bow to the Queen, then walked over and dropped down onto two tree stumps Trug had brought in the previous day to act as extra seating inside the hovel. Neither of them spoke, but Nall had on his face a stupid grin 
which did very little to dampen May's foul mood. What is it? she asked, pointing at the skinny man. We went through the trees, Noel said. Just like you asked. No car or anything. We know where Kaha's home is. The idiots don't even have lookouts. It's like nobody these days think they might get attacked. Fat lot of good that does us, Maeve said. We apparently have to play by the rules and can't do anything to harm or kill him in any way. What about his woman? Drew asked. Maeve looked at the taller man. What woman? Drew gave a shrug of his broad shoulders. I don't know her name. Didn't exactly get close enough to ask. But I remember, or the body I'm in at the minute does, that he is a thing for this pretty little bar girl from town. She arrived at the house when we were watching them. A bald guy in a grey hoodie. And the bar girl carried an unconscious lady from the back of a taxi into the house. Ideas can originate from the smallest bits of information. Sometimes all it takes is for the wrong neuron to spark against the right brain cell. And before you know it, two men are running down a hill with a large kite lifting them off the ground. After Trug had stopped talking, Maeve slowly turned to look at the crone, her one source of knowledge on all things very related. That wouldn't go against the rules in any way, right? The Queen asked. I don't think that's against the rules at all, the crone said to Maeve. You cannot do anything that would result in Cottle being killed before the final battle. But this girl, whoever she is, is an outside factor. One that won't face you on the day. As long as we don't try and use her to harm Cottle, we should be all right. Hang on a second, May said. You never mentioned anything about causing the idiot harm. You just said that he was not to be killed before the big battle. Now I can't even use this woman to hack off an arm while she lures him to bed. Lauren sighed. You can't do anything to physically injure, harm, maim or disable Cahill. I thought that using the phrase kill would have acted like a nice umbrella term. We could include everything under. Clearly not. Some maniacs need things explained to them in simple terms. Maeve rose from her seat and upended the table beside her. It crashed into the ground. For the love of Dagda, this is unbearable. How about you just write all this down so that we can study and at least then you will stop being a bloody obstacle. The crone cackled, actually cackled, as if there was something funny for her old throat to laugh at. We can't use this girl to harm Cahill, but we can definitely use her to delay him in any way, shape or form we see fit. Ways that might not have been as popular back in the good old days. Something about the crone's tone caught Maeve's attention. Then let's make that happen, Maeve said although it's still rather we just figure out some way of just killing him. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe, or like, or share? We'd really appreciate it.